0: Hey everyone, my name is Dado, and this is the Pawn Leaders Podcast. A podcast to help you make more money, stress less, and live an epic life, all while working at the pawn shop. All right, hello, pawnbrokers, and welcome to the Pawn Leaders Podcast. Today with me, I have an incredible guest, a third-generation pawnbroker, a graduate gemologist, the founder of Cashco Pawn entrepreneur, founder of Cal Gym Labs, my ex-partner, and my brother, Morris Adano. Morris, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Dude, it's, I'm, I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, it's one of the first episodes of Pawn Leaders, and I knew you were the first guest I had to call on because you're my brother and my ex-partner. I'm honored. I'm honored. Cool. So, That's amazing. Um, I want to talk to you about pawnbroking, obviously, and some things that you're doing in the pawn world. But first, tell everybody how you got into the pawn business.
1: Well, a long time ago, I was just working for sales, uh, doing uh, door-to-door sales, and oh, God, uh, working at McDonald's and every other job you can name, until my dad pulled me aside and said, hey, dude, come come work for me. So... Actually, even before then, I'd ask my dad for some money. Obviously, and he said, "Yeah, come over here. I'll, I'll give you some money." He'd call me into his shop and give me a bucket of gloves. I like, here clean this, and after I was done with that, he's like, here, "Here's a broom. And he go sweep this," and here's a mop and mop this, and, <laughs> and there's your money. <laughs> so I kind of got into it helping him out, and uh, before you knew it, I was kind of managing his large location, the largest location he had already opened up, and we turned that into a, I want to say, a million dollar location in about a year, year and a half um, due to the fact it was right on the border. That was my
0: first pawn broking experience with my dad. So, so dad did the same thing to me. You know, when I wanted a job, he said, come clean the bathrooms and I'll pay you. So I'm, I'm happy that I wasn't the only one who had to do that. Oh no, <laughs> I broke the way for you. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Cash Go Pawn. When did Cash Go Pawn start? When did you start it? And uh, what's Cash Go Pawn doing today? Cashew Pond started in
1: well, it's been seventeen years now. Open up by myself in a eight hundred square foot little location in the corner of a dingy little neighborhood, and worked that for a good year on my own, uh, trying to do odds and ends, trying to figure everything out as I kind of went along. And that that started from a hundred thousand dollar loan from my dad. Um, couldn't have done it with myself. I didn't have a hundred thousand so dollars to open up my own pawn shop. And so he lent that to me and, and said, Here you go. You can do this now. I have faith in you. Go for it. And obviously, I still had him to ask questions to. And during the process, that's where you came in um, when I didn't want to do any of the accounting. I didn't want to deal with the taxes. I didn't want to deal with the payroll. I was, I mean, it was three of us inside work in that shop. Um, and so you'd come in, you know, once a week. And we brought that to, uh, well, a year into it when you jumped in. You know, that's what I offered you, you know, I'll give you half the business, just take care of all the paperwork and documentation and the legal crap so I can focus on making money and doing, making the deals happen. And obviously together, you know, uh, we turned that into uh, almost $4 million. Uh, today it went down a little bit, obviously, so almost at 3.25. And that went on with you. For 17 years, you know, or 16 years, until I bought you out, and you went along to do this, which is yes. absolutely amazing. I'm so proud of you. Thank and, you. Thank uh, you so we're much. doing good. Last year, we took a two years ago, we took a big hit when it came to inventory and other other items. But looks like from last year and this year, we're just like profitable and profitable and growing and growing. We had to do a couple of uh, changes so what it had to do to expenses. We had to bring down some of the staff. We had to really focus in on. Um, the work itself not just you know making money year after year so
0: it was pretty good nice what would you do differently uh, if you started a pawn shop today from what you've known over the 17 years what would you do differently
1: if i started a new pawn shop today i would not want to do it again <laughs> <laughs> uh, not right now at least <laughs> it's a hard time right now you know opening a pawn shop with all this uh with all this what do you call it? Um, is it like laws, regulations? Yeah, exactly. Laws, regulations, and then you have everyone and their mother opening up either pawn shops or jewelry stores competing with you. And the competition is really harsh today. And so unless you're, you already have your name in the game, it's really difficult to start from scratch, you know, unless you buy out another pawn shop. But what I would do to start off if I had to start today from scratch is do the same exact thing I did from the beginning. Care about my customers, really show that I care about each and every customer that walks in. Handshake deals like old school, which people forgot about. Thank every single person that walked into the shop. Um, Make sure my books are in order. Make sure I have enough funds to grow the business. Location, 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 be in the right place. And uh, I guess, again, treat my customers and employees like gold, like I've always done. The most important two things inside of a pawn
0: shop. Nice, great advice. So a couple of years ago, about four or five years ago, we had you know, gold going up like crazy. I remember because I was there. Gold was almost hitting $2,000. Everything was amazing. We were making a lot of money. You didn't really have to focus on strategy. You just had to open the doors and money kind of walked in. Do you agree with that? 100%. That was the easiest
1: time in pawnbroking history. If you're looking at it, was, it was a good, I mean, for people who have been in the industry even longer than that, it must have been a 20, 25 year uh, run on an upward scale when gold, when you're lending at $300 an ounce. And then six months down the line, when the customer has lost their goods, it's at $350 an ounce. And you're just not only are you making your margin, but you're also making the, 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 the rise in gold price. So it was a no brainer, truthfully. If you're doing it right, you're just making money hand over fist the entire time.
0: And then- so, so what's the difference <laughs> now, right? So now gold price closed out at $1,300 on December 31st. It's not swaying up as much anymore. Now what does a palm broker have to do? Like you said, you, take, you took a hit a couple of years ago. Now you're becoming profitable. What did you do differently? Who did you have to become that it was a change in order to hit those goals today?
1: Strategy. Um, before you didn't have to worry about strategy, you just let as much as you possibly could get to as many customers as you possibly can. Once the gold dropped and, you, and we lost our butts in inventory and in all the pawns that were you know, being forfeited, you really had to wake up and be like, okay, this is not just a rat race. We're not just trying to go, you know, straightforward the same way we've been. Things have to change. You have to become the go-to pawn shop. You have to become the people's friend and the, the uncle that, that, uh, they need to lend, uh, they need to borrow money from it. Wasn't just any Palm broker can give them money and just grow. Now you have to be the most trusted Palm broker with the, the cleanest name, with the best Yelp reviews, with a great Instagram page, with a great Facebook profile, with a great community, uh, online and offline. Uh, you have to do a lot of events in your neighborhood, give back a lot more. We always did that. But you have to really step up your game in that field. Not only that, but you have to really be, uh, you have to really watch your expenses and, your, and how much you give out in, in loans on, on certain items. You can't just fork over, you know, 100 bucks on a $150 bike anymore because people aren't buying it. Now you're competing against the whole world to sell it from offer up to Craigslist to Facebook uh, Marketplace and a dozen more things, you know? And that also goes for the jewelry. So you really have to watch how much you give for items and really watch the strategy and where you're going to go from there.
0: So would you say you had to become somebody else when, when it came to your business, the way you were doing business? I
1: don't know about becoming somebody else, but you really had to become the go-to pawn shop. I mean, you have to be the most dependable, trustworthy, transparent business owner that people can trust no matter what. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you had a bad Yelp review, you better squash that in 2.2 seconds. If not, you lose your butt. Not like
0: before. But what I'm asking is, what did you have to do as, as you, as Morris, as the owner, as a leader of Cashco? What did you have to do differently? Who did you have to become differently in order to look at those expenses, in order to become that transparent, in order to go from not you know, making as much money to now making money and, having a profit and your store is growing again. Well, something did change there, obviously,
1: between me and you. You left the company and I bought you out. So I had to put on all the hats back on my head. And I'm sure there's a lot of pawnbrokers that didn't have that partner as they grew in the business. So they've dealt with all of it all at once. I mean, I know big names from all the pawnbrokers in the industry that basically do the whole thing all by themselves. And they rely on people underneath them to guide them. But, you know, all the decisions are all, all theirs. What I had to become was a leader, a true leader to my employees by showing them what to do the right way, really motivate them to do the right thing all the time, to never lie to them or to any of my customers. No bullshit, get it done. Um, Can't be just, you can't waste time on 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 just bullshit stuff that you you were able to do before you know now you have to tr- be a true leader in the pawn broking industry and that also for me I had to show my employees how to be a leader by showing other pawnbrokers on how to do things and sharing my education and giving back to the the younger pawnbrokers or even the older pawnbrokers you know what I'm doing right you know I have people calling me all the time hey Morris how do you do this or How'd you get that done? And by showing my employees, especially the the, the upper level employees, that I'm a true leader and I care about them um, more than anything. And I care about my employees more than my customers more than anything was truly important and be completely transparent and trustworthy.
0: Yeah. If I, if I go back in time, I remember, you know, we would have meetings every single month with the employees and we'd take them bowling and to concerts and we really built this culture where they loved coming to work. It wasn't just about the money, but they loved who they worked for. They loved Cashco, um, And they loved what we stood for, which was caring about our customers. You know, my, 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 one of my biggest,
1: uh, my biggest achievements was, I don't know if you remember when one of our employees quit because he, he was just like, oh, yeah, I got offered by the competition. Um, I won't say the name right now because it's probably yeah. watching. But, uh, yeah, I went to the competition for like $2 more an hour. And I was like, dude, okay, that's fine. You want to go? I'm not going to stop you if you're the kind of guy that wants to go for two hours. But he's like, but I love you guys. Thank you. I'm just going to do this for the opportunity. And two weeks went by, and he came crawling back, and he was like, guys – Please take me back. You guys are like the best bosses. These people yell at me. And they treat me like crap. I was like, bro, you know, that's, that showed us that our culture was what we needed it to, to be. Yes, we had to improve maybe on pay a little bit to keep our employees. And we learned that real quick. But the culture is super, super, super important. Your employees, especially the younger employees, don't give a shit about money. They care about the pat on the back. They care about the, hey, here's a little Starbucks coffee. Go enjoy. Let me treat you to this. Take your wife to here. Go on a vacation for your upper, upper level employees. Here, you know what I mean? Here's a couple of tickets to Las Vegas. Go on the company card. Those little things that you do for them mean more to them than just the money. Obviously, money is a big thing. But you really can't be a cheap ass when it comes to your employees because they are your extended family. So, so, so they want recognition
0: and appreciation as opposed to 100%. more money on their paycheck. Yeah.
1: I mean, everyone yeah. wants more money, obviously. Yeah. But you don't always have to give
0: a raise to make
1: someone happy. I love that. Consistently treating them right and giving them little things here and there. You know, you spend less money than a, than a raise right away, but you'll, they'll be happier in the long run. Yeah.
0: Let's go back real quick. I want to ask you, what's been the most difficult thing for you over the 17 years of of the pond business?
1: Losing you. (laughs) Oh, oh, you're so
0: sweet. That was
1: tough. It was tough for me too. I had a partner right next to me I can talk shit to and I can solve problems with, but the toughest part for me actually was the, or is still the accounting aspect of figuring out cash flow for the next six months or a year, making sure we have enough money to stay open and have payroll, you know, I'm not one of those pawnbrokers that are filthy rich and I have a bank account and lines of credit of a million dollars sitting, sitting behind me. I'm, I melt my gold to make payroll, you know, you know. <laughs> know that And we, yeah, have, we sell diamonds to make, you know, payroll happen. And we're consistently growing in the last, you know, last year or so. So it's, it's been tough. That's the hardest thing. I think, I'm going to rephrase that. The hardest thing has been to control my stress levels nice. personally because all the other stuff I can kind of figure out and make happen. I can pull gold out of here, melt from here, liquidate there. But the stress level and coming home with a smile on your face has always been the most difficult part.
0: I think that in, in the pollinators, leaders, uh, it's one thing that we talk about a lot. Is having that balance and not coming home stressful because you've got so much going on in the business from the gold and the diamonds and the employees and the customers and, and regulations and the police and all these types of things that to shut it off when you get home, it's not an easy task. It isn't. What have you done in the past that's worked?
1: Exercise for one is like the 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 key ingredient to me for me. I mean, just joining kickboxing again and just hitting that padding relieving <laughs> that stress has been the best thing I can do, um, coming home and really taking off the keys off my pants and putting them down somewhere and making that my, okay, my worker hat is off, the keys are off my pants, and now I'm a dad and husband again, has, has recently helped, because I haven't done that all my life, has recently helped in, in uh, adjusting from work to home environment. Because as well, I mean, as anyone knows, if you're my age, between uh, thirty—I'm sorry, between forty and fifty now—I'm in the forty-three section. But you get home, and your wife still needs you. Your kids need your support. Your wife needs your help in taking care of them, homework, this—you know—the problems they've had during the day, and still talk to them. So you're still consistently solving problems and giving love and giving energy. You can't just come home and be out of energy. Another thing I've done, which has always helped, is is take ten minutes of my time in the car. And literally meditate before I walk inside the house and just breathe and calm my nervous system down because our nervous system is constantly running solving problems so that has helped a lot
0: you talked about uh, being a dad I'm gonna dive into something deep that's personal for both of us but I remember before I left um, that's when Dad was diagnosed with his Parkinson's, you know, dad being a second generation palm broker, grandpa being a third, first generation palm broker. And that hit us really hard. There were times where we just stare at the computer, we wouldn't do much. I remember we'd say, hey, let's go to the museum together. Like we, we did that a couple of times, or we just go to lunch. So my question is, when something like that happens to a palm broker, stressful, a family situation, when something major happens, it's okay to just stop and, and to take a break, right?
1: 100%, I think, I think we took more breaks than we needed to because we never got the help we needed to. Yeah. I think uh, when you have a, tr- a tragedy or something like this that really affects your personal life happen, uh, I think taking a break in, in, in the day and leaving work to other people to go ahead and do and or closing your store and really dealing with the situation is very, very important. Um, we went through, me and you, uh, about six months of grievance. I mean, we were almost, we were so shocked that we come to work and look at our computers and be on Facebook or, or something else, you know, just to, just to kind of pass our time without working. You know, we did the odds and ends, jobs to keep the business rolling, but really being creative and, 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 you know, thinking of the future and doing everything else, we kind of stopped that when this happened. I think anyone that's dealing with this kind of situation should get help. I'm talking either a life coach, psychologist, um, somebody to talk to and get these. We had each other. We coached yeah. ourselves out of it, yeah. you know, and, but it took a while because none of us were experienced in coaching each other to get something, something like this out of our system. But I think uh, if you're in that situation, my best advice would be get somebody to help you and don't let it affect your personal life for too long.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that well said and I think that because we built that great culture our employees and our managers were able to pick up the pieces that we kind of left behind so that the business would keep running and even support us and yeah
1: 100% the, the all the the we I mean we had Gloria which uh, made her soul rest in peace but she was like an older sister yeah and yeah. she really consoled us through through these times when my dad was getting starting to get sick and everything and she made us feel
0: good, you know, yeah. Yeah. even while she was battling cancer. Yeah, yeah you know? she was a trooper. So for those of you listening, uh, Gloria was our, our manager, our general manager, who for years battled cancer and would come to work every single day. And when somebody would come into her office to give an excuse, she'd look at them and say, I have cancer. What's your excuse? And that's it. Like every excuse went out the window because of Gloria. 'Cause you just look at her. So, you know, I, I I think about her all the time. I think about like every time I make an excuse and how she battled being a single single mother of three. Yep. How she worked full time with us. Yep. And how she was such a just a great person and she loved her customers. She loved her employees. So I think, you know, talking about Gloria, having key people like a Gloria. You know, right now you've got a team of people who support you, you know, you've got Adiz and Leo and and different managers. How crucial is is having a great team for a palm broker? Well, you gotta realize as an owner, if you are the,
1: how can I describe this? If you are the only person with the ability to run your shop, you are handicapped. Because if God forbid anything happens to you, and your shop has to close, you're done. You have to rely on people to manage your shop if you're not there. If you can't take a two-week vacation because you're the only one who knows how to do things, and you're the only one you trust, then you're doing something very wrong. You know? That's, I can leave now, thank God, because of what I've created here, what we've created here, and the team I've created here at the end I can literally leave for two months and the business would keep on running with zero to very minor issues, which I can handle not being here, you know, because I have the guy that can take care of police, legal, and uh, on those things. I have the guy that can take care of all my jewelry and other things which I trust. I have cameras in place all over the place. I can watch everyone doing what they're doing. I have audio, video, whatever I need to watch everybody if I really want to. Right now, I just came back from vacation from a ski trip. And these two guys took care of all the inventory of both stores. And you know what? We have a couple things missing. Either we're going to find them or I'm going to write them off. Simple as that. Not a big deal. But the ability, but knowing that God forbid I'm out for six months and because something happens to me, that's tragic and this business can keep on going and feed my family. Oh goodness. If You're
0: not doing that. You're doing something wrong folks. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Morris. If you're not doing that, building a team, and you're able to leave your store for a vacation, go spend time at your kid's ball game or your daughter's dance recital, then uh, reach out. You know, we'll do, get, some, we'll get some leadership done. Yeah, I get some help. You know, super important because it's not just about being in the business all the time. And some pawnbrokers have this ego that if I'm not there, things don't work. It's about trust, bro. Yeah, it's
1: one of the biggest things. Is I don't trust my people to do what I do because they might steal from me. If you have that in your mind, two things are happening. One, either you don't trust yourself, okay? Or two, you have the wrong people in place. So put the person that you trust the most as your right hand that can do your job, and then put processes in place to protect you from that person stealing from you, which is very easy to do, especially nowadays with all the technology in the world.
0: And for me, it's helping that person who's going to be your general manager or your management live an epic life. Because if they live an epic life, if they have time with their family as well, then they're going to work so hard for you. They're going to do a great job for you. They're going to look after the stores like if they own them. You know, my
1: two guys, when I went on vacation, you know, they broke their backs doing all the inventory. And I know I can see in their faces they're tired. You know what's going to happen next week? They're both going to get massages at different times. They're both going to get a paid day off because I'm going to give it to them. And they're both going to get little vouchers for dinner with their wives or their whole families to go out and take them somewhere as a reward for letting me go on vacation. You know, I didn't have to come back and bring my a little keychain and say, I was thinking of you. No. <laughs> it's like you get a massage, you get a day off, and you get a, a dinner here because you allowed me to spend time with my
0: family. Yeah.
1: That's what you got to do to make their lives epic. So they want to continuously do that for you.
0: Awesome. So Morris, um, before we get into Calgem Gem Labs, because I do want to talk about that, what is one piece of advice that you would give to pawnbrokers today for 2018? What do they need to do differently to succeed in 2018? Hustle. Wake up,
1: Stop bullshitting and get it done. Because there's a lot of things that, you know, there are things in your own mind that you can make that can make you successful and move forward as a pawnbroker, but the only thing that's holding you back is a bullshit that's in your head. That's keeping you from doing it. So procrastination. Pro, pro, procrastination. Procrastination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you say it. And, uh, and the fear of success in that what you're going to do is actually going to work. Because a lot of people have that in their head. So stop bullshitting and just get it done. Make yourself that list of things that you know is going to make yourself successful and your pawn shop successful and just do it. Check them off
0: one by one. Awesome. Let's, let's talk about Cal Gem Labs. Uh, this has been a dream of yours for a long time since I've worked with you side by side for years. You always wanted to open a gem lab to certify diamonds and gems and jewelry. Tell us about Cal Gem Labs. What does it do and how can people find it?
1: Well, Cal Gem Labs is my little baby from way back in the day. Um, before I became a pawnbroker, broker, I became a gemologist. And because I became a gemologist from GIA, I fell in love with diamonds, gemstones, and jewelry. I found out that most pawnbrokers, brokers for years were giving up their ass when it came to selling jewelry retail or wholesale. Now, that didn't happen to me as much. It did happen to me once in a while when I didn't uh, put my real effort into something. But when you don't know what you have in your hand and you sell it, Trusting the person who's buying it from you is telling you the truth? I mean, it's a 50-50 shot if you're going to get... And you'll never know if you, you, you undersold it or whatever. So a while back, I used another gem lab. I'm not going to say the name, but they would, I would send these, uh, my rings out to them in parcels of 20, 25, and they would cost me 25, 30 bucks each or whatever. I'll get them back with this little certificate that would say exactly what the item was, and a retail replacement value. It was working because the customer didn't trust the pawnbroker, but they did trust a third party laboratory. What I did find out was that a lot of the items I'd have to either send back or really, I, I didn't even have the time. I just throw away the certification because it was off. You know, they would call stones, you know, VS when it was SI's or SI's when it was I ones. As a gemologist, you know, I have integrity. And as a palm broker, I have to earn the trust of the community. So I can't sell something and then have them go to a jewelry store and the jewelry store tell them this is bullshit, it's a bullshit- uh, certification. certification. So what I did was a couple of years back, we started doing our own in-house. And we started doing these little laminated cards, which is cute, and it worked. <laughs> it worked, but it was just like little certified uh, laminated papers with a little signature on them which basically, they became mini appraisals. Now, some, jewelry, some uh, insurance companies would take them, some wouldn't. What I've created since then is Cal Gem Labs, the true lab. And I'm still getting there because I'm now being inundated with so many certifications or requests for certifications. I need two or three more gemologists, which is amazing. It's a great problem to have. We make them on these hard plastic um, cards, which look very professional, full color, the item looks gorgeous. The the standard by which we appraise and identify the, the ring and the gemstones is by GIA standards. When I say that, I mean, we are as tough as GIA. So if we're off, we're off by a half a color or one color grade or one clarity grade, not two or three which is great for the pawnbroker or the secondhand dealer to use as a selling tool because they know that there's no problem or issue after the fact when they sell the sell the stone, they're actually selling it with a real certification, with a real appraisal that states how much it's worth, that states exactly what the color or clarity is, if it's a good cut, poor cut, we will say it right out there in a full description of the
0: item. And the customer obviously enjoys having a third-party certifications so that they know the value and it's got the retail. I've seen them they're beautiful um, the retail replacement value on it so they know that they're getting an incredible deal when they're shopping at a pump shop
1: what we do in our store is we we have a sign that says always 50% off retail so with that certificate in our store when they see the appraisal value we sell it for 50% off that so nice. when you sell something 50% off retail you're selling it basically a little bit above wholesale what home brokers? You guys well know we're not paying wholesale for items, so you're going to have a fifty to sixty-five percent margin on sales in profit. So you still have another ten percent to negotiate or play around with. You can start from forty percent off. You just make more money easier with the certificates. There is no so. What is this? So do I have to trust you? It says it right there. It helps your salespeople identify and talk about the merchandise as well because they have the. All the information in their hand, showing it to a customer from a third party, it helps online sales. I've noticed that it's so hard to sell on eBay uh, your jewelry without a certification. But when you have a certification, it sells like this because people trust a third party. You know they don't trust you as a salesperson; they trust a, a laboratory stating what it is. Yes, we're getting our name out there. You know, yes, we're not as known as GIA, EGL, IGI, or any other laboratory, but. By next year, folks, to, uh, by the end of 2018, you will be hearing
0: of CalGem Labs a lot. So tell people uh, who are listening how to find you, what the website is, and, or if they want to reach out to you directly. Um, you guys can call me directly
1: on my cell phone anytime, 619-840-0850. You can go to calgemlabs.com um, and literally print out a PDF, which we're actually working on a, a way to even uh, simplify the whole process. Um you can call me up I can send you little baggies for your goods so you can actually put oh by the way inside the laboratory we also offer 360 degree uh videos for online sales we offer photography so you don't have to take nice. care of all that we offer repairs stone replacement refurbishing you know bringing things back to life again uh we offer prong- uh, repronging rhodium plating we offer all the repair things so you don't have to take care of it we have a person in house so it keeps, out, it keeps everything really, really inexpensive for the repairs. I don't gouge, uh, I don't make money on the repair department. That's just an, an added service that we, we charge for, but it's like cost plus 10% to actually make it easy
0: on the pawnbroker just sending me a whole bunch of their goods and getting things nice. done. Awesome. So find CalGemLabs at calgemlabs.com and I'll go ahead and put the, uh, the link in the show notes. Okay. Morris, our time is up. I love you for being on the show. Thank you so much. Love thank you, you too, for, bro. thank you for sharing your wisdom with other pawnbrokers and with people listening. And for those of you stay tuned for the next pawn leaders podcast episode. And if you want to talk with some more with Morris, if you want to ask him some questions, I'm opening up the pawn leaders community on Facebook. So you can ask him questions about the show, anything right. that he said, Morris, any parting words? I'm just proud of you, bro. You are truly
1: making a difference in the community of pawnbroking. Because I know you've been a life coach for a while and literally jumping into this space of pawnbrokers is something you know and do very well. So if you're out there you're listening to this, you're already taking the right steps and improving yourself just by listening to this guy right here. Proud to call you my brother,
0: bro. Thank you, man. If you guys want to reach out to me, go to pawnleaders.com if you want to go from pawnbroker to palm leader and level up your leadership. And obviously, Morris said leadership is one of the most important things that he changed over the course of his business to make more money. So thank you so much, bro. And guys, thank you so much for listening. Palm Brokers, we'll see you soon.